Welcome to the latest episode in COVID-19 Business in Focus, where we explore the business impacts of coronavirus. I'm Rowena Morris, a director at PwC, and I help clients prepare and respond to crisis situations, and I'm your host for this series. Many businesses are experiencing cash flow difficulties as a result of coronavirus. In recent weeks, the government has announced generous support packages to help businesses address these challenges. But even with this support, many businesses could soon be forced to make some very difficult decisions. In this episode, we're going to be discussing the steps businesses can take to manage their cash flow and reduce costs in a fast and sustainable way. Today, I'm pleased to be joined in our virtual studio with Tim Allen and Zubin Randeria. Tim leads PwC's operational restructuring team and Zubin leads our cost-based transformation team. Hi, Rowena. Hi, thanks for inviting us today. No problem. Thanks for joining us both. So, Tim, to kick things off, can you give us some examples of how coronavirus is impacting organisations? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, COVID-19 has impacted sectors and businesses in, in very different ways. We've seen companies, seen extraordinary falls in volumes. If you look in the airline sector, casual dining, the fashion retailers, oil sectors where prices turned negative in April. Um, whereas others have seen equally dramatic increases in volumes. Um, online entertainment companies, look at Netflix, their share price I mean, surged this year to the point that it's now greater than ExxonMobil. Uh, food retailers, parcel delivery companies, and you know what people are describing as other stay-at-home stocks um, are doing very well. And there are a number of levers that organisations can pull to boost both cash and reduce costs quickly. Yeah, that's right. And uh, frankly, many are pulling every lever they possibly can. Um, but, you know, again, it depends on the impact and the severity of the impact. Um, and as we hopefully come out of lockdown and, 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 you know, in certain countries, China, they're coming out of lockdown, some parts of Europe are now turning their attention to that. Businesses are looking at how their cost bases will evolve to, um, you know, what some describe as the new normal post lockdown. In, in the short term, as I said earlier, um, everyone's looking at all levers, particularly a sort of zero-based budgeting approach, removing any non-essential supplier spend, uh, typically achieved by just cutting budgets and removing delegated spend authorities, effectively putting the checkbook in the drawer. Um, and where necessary, though, for example, in the retail fashion sector, we've seen um, in early April, um, some retailers even saying, look, committed orders were having to retract on those and uh, increasing use of force majeure clauses. In terms of people costs, um, clearly the action taken by most governments has provided some much needed uh, breathing space. Recognising, you know, there is a, a consequence of taking this funding, which businesses are actively, actively evaluating. Um, but we've also seen a lot of businesses realising perhaps what was previously considered essential activity isn't so essential or a good enough service can be delivered in a cheaper way, yeah, remotely or, or using technology to reduce the costs. Finally, just quickly on cash and working capital, clearly a lot of focus there, trade debtors and trade creditors. Debt arrears are already growing. We've seen, I've seen examples of that on the personal debt side in the utilities um, sector. Trade creditors, again, it, it, it back to that, it depends. It depends on the impact on the sector. We've seen Unilever and other consumer packaged goods businesses supporting, and in a way, effectively financing some of their key suppliers. At the other end of the spectrum, we've seen businesses prioritizing payments based on the criticality of the supplier where they have to and agreeing to payment deferral plans, um, particularly 
uh, in relation to property costs and with the landlords bearing, bearing the pain of that. So lots and lots of different things to think about. So if you're trying to take out costs quickly, what are the key things to think about? Yeah, so look, uh, for many things, leadership is critical. Aligning on the savings targets and the difficult choices to be made at the exec, at the top, top of the house, if you will, upfront and clear communication of this to your employees and also the broader PR and that needs very careful management. Um, and then empowering someone to really hold the business to account to deliver these savings, clearly targeting costs which are discretionary or variable as much as possible. You know, you don't want to weaken your core customer proposition and capabilities. And equally, as quickly as we've got into this, in, in some in some territories, they'll come out of this pretty quickly as well. And, you know, no one knows whether it'll be a V-shaped recovery or I heard someone describe it as a bathtub recovery the other day. But the key thing is to um, retain as much flexibility as possible to allow for rapid changes changes in demand going forward. Um, and also, it's an opportunity to address some sacred cows as well and other politically protected spend areas, if you will, which perhaps previous excuses for are now no longer valid. From my perspective, often when people think about taking cost out, um, they look to make efficiencies. For example, you know, you might look at um, tightening supply pricing or um, cutting deals with your landlords or cutting your headcount so fewer people have to do more. And, and certainly these are areas that uh, one needs to focus on. But in my experience, the, the biggest impact one can have on cost base is by going to the demand for those costs and cutting that demand rather than making your costs more efficient. So for, for example, by stopping doing things, you then open up the possibility of cutting 100% of a cost. Whereas if you try and get some efficiencies out or something, you know, you might be able to get five, 10, 15%. So a, a practical example of this um, recently is we were working with a client which had a function in their organization producing analytics and reporting for the rest of the organization. And we went back to who in the organization was asking for the reporting and what do they do with it? And we quickly were able to eliminate over half of the activity which was not being used. And we'd have never have been able to get that type of savings if we'd looked at the efficiency of the, the reporting process in isolation. So, you know, this lens can also be used to ask, you know, which customers or markets do we want to serve? And which do we not want to serve or which products do we want to produce and which products do we not want to produce and this lens of looking at what you don't do and in my mind strategy as is as much about what you don't do as what you do do then looking at what you don't want to do going forward and demand cutting um, in your organization then you can cut out 100 percent of what you don't want to do and therefore from my experience looking through that demand lens uh, can be incredibly helpful that's really useful. Thanks, Subin. Um, I think it'd be helpful to expand a little bit more. And if you've got any other examples of where this has been done really effectively. Uh, yes. When it, when it comes to implementation, we often see businesses uh, run a cost program by appointing somebody internally, a cost czar, who is a program manager, who then goes to the functions, you know, finance, HR, for example, you know, manufacturing, um, and asks for a cost out target. And then um, the, the functions come back and the, the costs are challenges them. But most effective cost programs actually span functions. So to bring this alive, for example, procurement may sit in the finance function, 
But if one asks the finance function for savings, then you may be, get a better deal out of your existing suppliers, but it won't, for example, consider whether you should even be in that market that requires the product that is purchased from, you know, that, that, that is manufactured from product that is produced by those suppliers. So looking at a, um, the organization much more holistically allows you to capture bigger savings. And, and we worked with a travel company which had started down the functional cost saving route with the costs are, and we helped them look at cost um, horizontally across the organization. And that um, took out much more significant costs than they could have otherwise done. Yeah, and, and we you know if I may just picking up a similar sort of vein from Zubin there. Um, I was working with an automotive supplier earlier this year, uh, who effectively was implement, implementing an overhead cost reduction program. And and beyond zero based budgeting, a key driver for them in delivering the savings, what in very simple terms, was making sure they're doing the right activity in the right place. Um, and so what that meant for them, they had a customer support um, shared service center in Poland. They had a product design center of excellence in India, and they took an, a, a real zero tolerance approach to any call it deviation from this and making sure any activity um, which wasn't in those centers was was removed and the activity then sort of re-engineered into those and that, that drove out significant savings. With, with another client, what was very powerful for them was the way they they talked about corporate myths and how they could debunk corporate myths. And it goes to the point I made about sacred cows and political protected spend earlier. Um, you know, and, and for them, it was ranging from exec decisions about some of their expensive London property footprint and making sure the exec really understood the costs of, of, of that properties uh, and, and whether they're really justifiable for a business of its nature. Right down at a very operational level to one example is with, with uniforms and a, and a particular myth again there was that more expensive safety shoes, safety boots would reduce accidents and, and the cost of these accidents in terms of compensation payouts to the business. Which at one level you think, okay, that's that's smart thinking about the total cost. But actually, when you looked at the data, what it showed was, yeah, the, the first 10% of um, safety boots issued did reduce accidents. But but after that, they were going, and, and obviously compensation claims related to them. But after this, the other 90% of um, safety boots were going to people who were not performing high risk duties, which were likely to result in accidents and effectively was it was wasted cost. Really interesting and really good to hear some of those practical examples. Um, so with some companies reducing their costs recently by, for example, moving to virtual working, Tim, how do you see organisations managing their cost base as they start to emerge from lockdown? Yeah, so I think it's the Churchill quote, quote isn't it? Don't waste a good crisis. It's, it's a cliche or it's become a bit of a cliche, but it is true. I mentioned earlier the zero-based budgeting approach businesses are effectively being forced to take and the sacred cows uh, being attacked, if you will. But businesses ahead of the game are already showing they, they make the informed choices about what costs come back. 
setting up additional governance and control to review the value of spend and thinking about a better way to delivering that service for less. It could entail more remote working. It almost certainly will entail using technology much, much more. So certainly I can bring it to life with a number of um, clients that we're working with. We're working with uh, a financial services client at the moment, which has clearly had to shut its retail footprint because of the COVID crisis and its customers forced by necessity to move to its digital only channels to move online. So we are helping them rethink now their transformation journey. Originally, this is going to take over three years. And using this current COVID crisis as a way of accelerating their transformation from over three years to just one year. And how, how are we going to do this? For example, by not necessarily going back to the re retail footprint that they had before um, and more heavily investing in those digital channels, which are allowing them to serve their customers better and more effectively and cheaper. Uh, another example at the other end of the spectrum is um, a utilities client we're speaking to which had very few people, very few of its staff being able to work in its contact centers because of the crisis. And again, necessity has forced it to direct its customers online. And um, you know, the website is their primary route of engaging with customers now, rather than um, the contact center, which was their primary way of engaging with, uh, with customers. So the conversation we're having is around how can keep its customers online and not revert back to the same level of activity in the contact centers as existed pre-COVID. So in, in cir circumstances like this, you know, we are certainly seeing examples of necessity being the, the mother of invention. Thanks, Ubin. Um, you touched on earlier a little bit around the government funding scheme playing a part in helping organizations manage their costs and liquidity. Can you expand on that a little bit more just before we move on to some practical top tips for people to take away? Sure. The scheme has certainly taken a bit of time to bite and actually get cash in the hands of those businesses that need it. Um, but the, the scheme will certainly help manage liquidity in the short term, particularly, for example, the furloughing scheme that can help reduce staff costs. And, and that is a good thing. But let's be clear that the government scheme, by and large, is a loan, not a gift. And therefore, companies need to think about how they're going to pay it back. So businesses need to ensure that their cost base is appropriate for your revenue going forward. And which in many industries, that is likely to be a lower level of revenue tomorrow than it was before this, this COVID crisis broke. And therefore resizing and reshaping your cost base so you're competitive and generate an acceptable level of return in this new normal to be able to be competitive trade and win in the marketplace and also repay the loan that you've taken from the government. Okay, that makes sense. So say if someone listening to this is thinking of beginning a rapid cost app programme, Zubin, what would be your key piece of advice for them? Uh, well, Tim touched upon this uh, near the beginning. I'd say getting commitment at the top of your organisation is absolutely critical. In all of these uh, cost app programmes that we've done, particularly the rapid ones, the, the organisation will naturally fight back um, and run um, to the top. And therefore, you, you risk going around in circles if you haven't got full commitment from the top of your organisation. Also, I'd encourage you to think beyond the short term. Um, what are the core capabilities you need to succeed and be competitive tomorrow? 
and think of the costs associated with your future successes as good costs and protect them and potentially even invest further in them. Um, because you do not want to, you know, no company ever cut, their, cut themselves to greatness. You do need to be able to compete and succeed in the future. And that will require some capabilities which will have a cost associated with it. But the flip side of this, and I've touched upon it before, is looking critically at your products, your markets, your customers, your locations that don't play a, a part in your future success. And then look to take all of those costs out, either to make you more competitive or to, or to reinvest in the good costs that you need to succeed in the future. Yeah, and just to sort of build on what Zubin said there, and again, we're back to the leaders. Um, you know, it's important not only do they buy into it, but but they they own the PL PL holders own the savings targets. Without their commitment, it's it's pointless almost as an exercise. You know, a program can help support them. It can connect activity across the business to maximize savings, but it's not accountable to deliver the savings itself. Next thing I think is crucial and often overlooked is, is make capacity. Think about your best people across the business who can help be part of the program. Um, costs are not going to come out with people doing it on the side of their desks. And then finally, end again at leadership. Leadership needs to walk the talk. What measures can they take which will really get people's attention and buy into doing their bit? Some really good practical tips there. Thanks so much, Tim and Zubin, for sharing those insights. And of course, thanks to everyone for listening. Thank you. Thanks, Rowena. So if you'd like to know more about the themes we discussed in this episode, visit our website at pwc.co.uk forward slash COVID-19. We hope you'll join us next time where we'll focus on accessing government funds. So please do subscribe to keep up to date with all of our latest episodes. Thanks, everyone. And until next time, stay safe.